Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back! I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to House of Champions. Use your friends. Drop in your comments and questions in that chat. And make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we preview this week's top UEFA action. In the House of Champions today, we got James Ben, Jonathan Johnson, Michael Hood. All the boys are here. Let's start with you, Mike. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great. You know, got some good results. Very good results when it comes to the Premier League. And also some strange results around the world in football this weekend. I see that smile on your face, and I see an even bigger smile on Jonathan Johnson right there, that little smirk. How you doing, JJ? Hey there, guys. Yeah, doing well, thanks. Uh, as far as uh, weekends in football go, uh, things, uh, things are pretty sweet right now if you're of a Villa persuasion like I am. There's a reason why I'm coming to you last, James. I'm just making sure you're okay. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I mean, it was an interesting... It was a... I mean, you know, you sit in Arteta's press conference after that game and uh, it's yeah. very obvious. And, you know, see the players after, it's very obvious that they really feel like they've blown it. Um, they probably feel that more than they actually should. It, you know, they're, they're, those, they're, they're, are those, are those wild dreams turning to wild nightmares? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, I appreciate for some people it's very exciting to, you know, actually win football matches playing horrendous football. Um, that, that's in I, can't last. Um, <laughs> I raise my hand. I take that. I mean, that's, you know, that's both. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's both of you. Um, uh, in the end, you know, they're, they're still firmly in a title race and uh, it just means that they probably now can't afford to lose to Man City, but I don't think they ever could really. Um, I'm sure like next week we can have a big old talk about the Premier League title race though. So. For the big watcher out there, though, for us who love the game, James is actually setting up a mouth-watering game. And, and in every chance, really, of Arsenal getting the job done against City. I mean, if there is a team right now who can challenge Manchester City, I would say it's Arsenal. I mean, do you believe that? Yeah, it's not the version of Arsenal that throws away two goal leads on a weekly basis. And this has been, like, coming for a while. Um, like, even if you go back to the times they beat Fulham and they beat Leeds, they sort of took their foot off the gas a bit, and that's something they need to learn from City. But... You know, it's good to learn these lessons whilst you still have time to to make amends. And Arsenal do still t- have time to make amends, no matter how dreadful it might feel for them on Monday morning. We've got a few comments coming in already here. We've got Oscar. He's saying, is James Benj still a believer in Manchester City winning their first Champions League? Ali jumping in with the smiley faces right there. I like to see that yeah. one. Chelsea versus Real. Now West Ham versus Arsenal. Some good results for someone. Right, James. James, everyone seems to be coming for you this morning. What's up? Yeah, everyone man? comes to me every morning. They don't like, they don't like hearing... I mean, absolutely bizarre that like Man City that have just 
I don't know if that, that question was asked sarcastically, if I still believe that Man City are going to win their first Champions League. I mean, they are 3-0 up against the champions of Germ- Germany on aggregate. Mm. It seems like they're quite well placed to win their first Champions League. All right, let's get into it, boys. James, thanks for that. I know it was an easy morning for us because you knew we were <laughs> going to ask the first questions to you, but we appreciate you and everything you're doing. Let's get into it. House of Champions, welcome, everybody. Drop in your comments, please, as much as you possibly can. We'll get to as many as we possibly can as well. JJ, let's turn our attention to what's happening. Uh, Chelsea against Real Madrid. I mean, Real Madrid have the slight advantage, or many would say a big advantage, going to Stamford Bridge and Chelsea. I mean, from the weekend, what did we learn from Chelsea's performance against Brighton this weekend that would maybe even give us some hope, if any hope whatsoever, that they could even score a goal, let alone go through in this time? I don't think we really learned, uh, you know, that much uh, new, really. I think uh, it was just reinforcement of many things that we've been feeling, we've been talking about now for for weeks, for months. Uh, I guess if we were to have learned one thing, it's that a lot of the fans seem to, you know, start being quite vocal now in their frustration at, you know, just this lack of direction and and general overall strategy that Chelsea have under, under Todd Bowley at this moment in time. Uh, but in terms of sort of this Champions League tie, really... Like a, like I've been saying, I, d- I do think that Chelsea will try and keep it more respectable, uh, you know, overall in terms of the tie. But for them to go and win this, I mean, I'd, I'd need the entire batch of whatever James was uh, smoking last <laughs> week when he predicted that Chelsea might come out on top of this, uh, you know, to, to feel positively for them about it. It's f- for me, it's about saving face now for, for Chelsea uh, between now and the end of the season. And that includes the Champions League. Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how Reese James responds, not just from the first leg, but at the weekend. I thought he was woeful when he came onto the pitch. Looked like he didn't even want to be there. It looked like his mind may have been on this match that we're previewing for the, the second leg in the UEFA Champions League and looked like he was still rattled by what he experienced against Vinicius Jr. because Matoma put him to the cleaners. James was at the heart of giving the ball away, heavy first touches. He has to be the one who gets it correct on both sides of the ball for Chelsea to have any chance because that is a tall order. Vinicius Jr. is going to be well-rested didn't get that much. I don't even think he played at the weekend in the 2-0 win for Madrid against Cadiz. That is the matchup for Chelsea if they're going to have any chance. And up top, the question mark still remains. Who is going to get that goal? I mean, Conor Gallagher, hey, he's scoring more goals than Kai Havertz, but I think you have to start Kai Havertz to have any chance. I, I hate to be the guy to say it, but you have to start him. I think you've pretty much taken a question away from me that I was going to ask James here. I mean, how does Frank Lampard approach this game, James? Because obviously it is a big ask. You need to score goals. But in Champions League nights, especially at a bridge, anything can really happen. We know Frank's history in this competition. If Chelsea put out a good performance with the top players that they have, there's no doubt that Real Madrid have shown a vulnerability this season that they can concede goals. Yes. I mean, they certainly can concede goals. I think, you know, Mike really hit the nail on the head there. Vinicius Jr. I mean, Chelsea had sort of what you would think was the sort of perfect matchup for him. Reese James at wing back with Wesley Fofana behind him and N'Golo Kante alongside him. And they had no answer for Vinicius. And, and like Mike says, you know, this is a player that can, can take the game away from anyone. He was magnificent. Um, going forward, I just don't know. I want to sympathise with Frank Lampard, even though, you know, from these first these first three games are much worse than the three games under Graham Potter beforehand. They're not creating shots. They're not creating chances. Um, equally, I think it's probably very hard when you take over to to really like fathom out what sort of squad you're supposed to 
to name and what sort of 11 you're supposed to name given the players you have it's it's absolutely it's a completely imbalanced squad you know when you're saying like where do the goals come from where do the chances come from the honest answer is I don't know Lampard doesn't know I don't get the sense Chelsea know it's probably not coming from Conor Gallagher who is a energetic hard-working player that, that kind of suits a 4-3-3 I mean we've got the stats up there Kai Havertz has got nine goals I went back to the start of Frank Lampard's um first time in charge the second highest scorer well, the third highest scorer is Christian Pulisic. Tammy Abraham is the second highest scorer. There is no one in this squad who, I mean, and Tammy Abraham was there a season and a half. There is no one in this squad who can convincingly put the ball in the net. I maintain that I was right that Chelsea had a chance because actually, Golo Kante and Enzo Fernandez played early on really excellently and kind of wrestled some control out of the midfield. If Kovacic hadn't been, one, hadn't delivered one of his worst performances in a Chelsea shirt. Chelsea could really have dominated midfield. But when you've not got anyone that can kick a football into a net, it's very hard to win football matches. I, that's the sort of top-level analysis that, that people come to House of Champions for. Chelsea can't put yeah. the ball in the net, and therefore they don't have a chance. I think Madrid will just throttle them in this game and ease to a 1-0 or something like that. Well, I mean, listen, obviously, if you look at the odds, there, there is plus odds for Real Madrid actually to win on the money line here, Mike. And, and that's yeah. not far-fetched really if you think of the performance that Real Madrid put in last time and over the two legs last time out in the Champions League between these two sides there was goals galore this time around we might be looking at an under here I mean we could see maybe one or two goals win this game maybe we see Real Madrid being the team that puts out the performance and gets the victory in here yeah this is the Madrid side that will have ton of confidence coming to England because they have a striker who loves to play against Premier League clubs. Did it last year in the run into a Champions League title. Has already done it in the previous round against Liverpool. Yes, Kareem the Dream making dreams for Real Madrid and the entire fan base. He will be licking his lips to go against a very feeble Chelsea back line. Wesley Fofana, if Frank Lampard has any sense in the first leg, James, I think you called it out to a T in the group chat that Fofana, he looked shaky. He did not look up to the level of a Champions League knockout tie. I think that will be a mismatch. But if there's any player who could settle that back line, Thiago Silva, I mean, the guy blocked a shot a surefire goal off the line. He will have to have the game of his life in his late 30s, mind you. He will have to have the game of his life to keep out Madrid's attack. But Fafana has been really good. I, and this is the challenge that, that Lampard and anyone has, is when everything around you is so instable, when there's no sort of defined system, no defined start strongest 11 or strongest eight, it's really hard to to get that level consistently. consistently. And I think that's, you know, Fafana has seemed like an absolute rock for Chelsea for weeks on end. But when everything changes around you, how on earth are you supposed to replicate those performances as well, you guys know? Yeah, I mean, I think um, sort of going back to before the first leg, I think I was saying that if Chelsea starts strongly and take Real by surprise, Real would react a bit stronger. And I kind of feel that happened in what James was talking about, where, uh, you know, Conte looked a lot more solid in that midfield, looked a lot better for having him there than maybe they expected. And when Real... At this moment in the season, we've talked about how they sort of pick and choose the games that they're going to perform in. When they come up against a team like that, they recognise that they're up against legit opposition, uh, you know, and start to put out put in their A game, which is why we saw them pull away in the second half. And I feel like, you know, perhaps Chelsea's best hope coming into this game 
is to actually not be that convincing at the very start. And that way, I think it lulls Real into a bit of a false sense of security because they still Good they point. have to feel challenged in order to, to put in their best performances, I feel. And, you know, coming into this with a with a you know handsome lead up against a team that looks absolutely hapless under uh, Lampard at this moment. It could be that, you know, Real maybe get to halftime at nil-nil and suddenly Chelsea really feel like they have a chance, like if they can get that goal early in the second half to maybe, uh, you know, force this beyond uh, 180 minutes of the, the two legs. Ed jumping in and saying, imagine where Chelsea would have been without those 10 points from Tuchel with the little smiley emoji. Matt Osmond jumping in and saying, bring back Potter. He also says Lampard is out of his depth again. And there's our Vic. Keep those hopes alive. <laughs> Good luck to you, Vic. Let's move on to the game between Napoli and AC Milan. Um, listen, real quickly before we get into this game, our producer Des obviously wants us to talk about What's happening with Serie A and the Italian team's doing pretty well in this competition? Once again, Napoli against Milan, one of the teams are going to go through here. Um, of course, it looks like Inter will go through as well, but it's really sort of been somewhat of a resurgence for Italian football. And there is a bit of a competition, obviously, at the top of the table um, outside of Napoli for European places. James, you're shaking your head right there. But it's good to see Italian teams having success in this competition and UEFA in general this year. Yeah, I mean, it's good for Italian teams and it's good for European football because, you know, anything that sort of eases the stranglehold of the Premier League is is welcome. But, like, let, let's not get carried away at all here. Inter Milan have had two pretty favourable draws. Um, you know, certainly Benfica maybe haven't lived up to the level we thought they would um, based on their group stage performances. AC Milan had the dream draw in the uh, round of 16, getting a Tottenham side in disarray. Napoli are a great team and they've shown that in Serie A and they've shown that in Europe, shown that in the group stages. But like, you know, that, that that's all this really is, at least on the Champions League level. It's it's favourable draws and it's too easy to draw conclusions from those draws, so to speak. So like, look, next season, the Premier League will have some half-decent representatives and I don't think we'll be talking about a renaissance in Italian football. So, so you're still believing Villa are going to get into the Champions League? Is that what you're saying, Ben? <laughs> if, if Villa get into the Champions League, which won't happen unless there are bizarre points deductions, if Villa get into the Champions League, they won't get to the Europa League. <laughs> cut that, James. James right. cut that. We'll, so that we'll, cross, the, we'll cross this bridge when we come to I want that posted in July when we're short James. on content. <laughs> if Villa, and, and if Villa get in the Europa League group stages, oh, they'll be playing in the Conference League. <laughs> Matt is coming after you as well here, James. Matt's saying, favourable draws, are you sure? Inter were in the group of death. Give them credit mm-hmm. where they deserve. Mike, yeah. let's get into it. Yeah, no, no I, James, I, I think... No, James, no, James, I, I think but you've had your say. It's Mike's turn now. Come on. <laughs> Look, I'm all for this renaissance. I said it after the Europa League recap we did last week. This is a breath of fresh air. Syria, when Syria was the dominant force in world football and club football, it was because of not just Italian talent, but foreign influx of talent. Shevchenko, George Weah. I mean, household names. You have influx of talent happening at Kim and Jai. He's South Korean. He's playing in Syria, developing and really growing as Kavada. a footballer. Kavada Scalia, you know, Victor Osiman. Yes, they all play for the same team. Tommy Abraham. Look at Rafael Leal, Tammy Abraham. I mean, the names keep on going in Syria. And I, I love this. I, I love this very much. And hey, Premier League, I'm a big Prem fan, but sometimes just just need a waft of something new. It holds Premier League clubs and the big boys accountable, I think. When you have results like this, James, just one, 
Yeah, just one thing. I really like uh, Mike's point, but it almost, I think, makes the argument for why Serie A is nothing like the league it was. Because the players you've mm. reeled off there, Mike, your Shevchenko's, Ronaldo's, though, Nedved's, they were the best players in the world. They were the Ballon d'Or winners. Like, Kvaratskhelia yeah. <laughs> aside, there is no one in Serie A who you would make the case as a potential Ballon d'Or winner. And if they're going to win the Ballon d'Or, they're going to have to go elsewhere. I mean, it's it is brilliant for Serie A that it has kind of developed from a bit of a backwater into the place that young stars go. But it's young stars go before they make their moves to the top two in Italy or to the Premier League, frankly. Similar, they've taken that model from the Bundesliga, James, because yeah. uh, Bundesliga has actually fed into the fact that they are the league to create the stars and then the star- stars disappear and go play in the Premier League or move to Barcelona and Real Madrid or PSG. James has got a smile on his face. All right, we got to get back to this game. <laughs> JJ, let's talk about um, awesome and he's back now. Obviously, he's going to be a key factor into uh, Napoli's focuses to try and get back in this tie. I mean, this is a really difficult one to predict. Milan got a massive win there most recently but I don't know if that helps them going into this tie. What's your thoughts? I think the thing that helps uh, Milan coming into this tie the most are the players that won't be there for Napoli. I think Anguissa is majorly underrated as part of that uh, midfield. And I think, you know, not having Kim in the back line as well, you take that out, that's two massive cogs uh, in this, uh, you know, team that Luciano Smoletti has created and had so well oiled up until now. But I take it back to the point that I was making last week, having, uh, you know, covered the game uh, for the for the live blog. The thing that I'd be worried about the most for Napoli was sort of the mental frailty uh, that you could see. And it's almost like the weight of expectation is a little bit too much because I think Napoli coming into the tie have been judged sort of on how far ahead of Milan they are in the in the table. Yet, you know, Milan have showed that they have this appetite in recent weeks to try and knock Napoli off of the perch. And they're not going to be able to do that in Serie A this season but they will absolutely be able to do that in the Champions League and knock out those hopes and set up a Milan derby in the semi-finals. And I think that's exactly what is driving this Milan side at this moment in time. There's big, big pressure on Napoli to live up to those expectations. You know, the months that we've spent talking about them being the form team, not just of Serie A, but in uh, Europe as well. And I think that's suddenly starting to tell because despite the fact that they have been brilliant on the pitch and they really truly have at times been scintillating, uh, you know, it feels like they're one or two players away uh, you know, from not quite having the strength in depth in order to compete on all of those fronts. And now, unfortunately, having missed Aussie men in the first leg, they'll have him back for the second, but they're missing two key players. And I think that's going to be very difficult to compensate for. I have personally picked a draw in this one, which obviously would see Milan go through. I do think it'll be really, really tight. But for me, I just feel like the opportunity is now too good for Milan. And looking at the way that they split yep. Napoli open on the counter-attack in that first mm. leg, that's exactly what you need to do to them again in the away leg. Yeah, uh, I almost called you James. Jeez, now I've got to look at my cup of coffee to see what you're <laughs> Just call him Jimmy. Yeah, no, Jimmy great, great points. Great points, JJ. Uh, just quite, I want to answer Deontay's question. Deontay says, if Napoli failed to make the semifinals of the Champions League, would that be considered a failure? given the high standards placed on them throughout the season. Well, let's go back to the start of the season. When we were looking at who was going to get out of the group stages, who was going to get to this point in the Champions League, if any of us had said Napoli, I'm calling bullshit on that because there's no chance in hell that any of us thought that they would be. I had Rangers going in. through the group. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ian, Ian, please send me whatever you're drinking. <laughs> 
because I need that to get through my days throughout the week. But I I don't think that it would be a failure. This is a dream season for Napoli. What they're doing in their league campaign, what they've done up to this point is an inspiration for world football. And I just don't think that we can categorize that a failure. I think a disappointment would be the right word because there is high expectations. There is high standards that they've created for themselves. I mean, Victor Osiman, injuries, suspensions, that has been the thing. And if they do not get through this tie, that will be the thing that we will look back. And Ian, James, JJ, how many times have we talked about this and asked the question week in and week out? Should Spalletti rotate the team? When is it going to cost them? International breaks, the load buildup from, you know, World competition, World Cup, etc. We're seeing now that the timing of being without your key players, that can be the one thing. It's not football on the pitch. It's the timing of being without your key players that can be the X factor that derails you. Yeah, you never know. And just briefly coming back to that question that we were asked there, I mean, I frankly have to say, I think the question is nonsense. Um, it is a failure if Napoli don't win Serie A from here. That is a failure in much the same way that, you know, let's put an Arsenal perspective on this. If they finish second, it's not a failure. If they finish fourth, it's a failure based on where they are. But you have to be able to balance what you expected at the start of the season and where you are and kind of come to an understanding. Just one thing, I'm a little bit more bullish on Napoli than most, mostly because, you know, watching that that first leg back, it felt so difficult for Clara Scalia to do much when Napoli could just show him down the outside and tell him, uh, not when Milan could show him down the outside and tell him, hit crosses to Elmas and whoever. But he, but he missed a great chance after like 60 seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but we, I mean, we, it's just one chance. It's not, you know, that's not the whole, the whole story of the game. That's the story of one chance. Over the course of the game, what Napoli, what Milan did really well was block up that inside channel, kind of refusing to allow him to shoot, refusing to allow him to run into the box and say, go down the byline, see what you can do. Now, going down the byline is a lot more dangerous. Putting crosses in is a lot more dangerous if Ossiemen is, you know, the dominant presence that he was before this injury. That if that works, then Kvarat Skelly can beat you both ways, and we'll see the version of him that we've all been trawling over all season. So if Osimhen is is there, really, I think Napoli win this and go through. All right, let's Just. get a quick prediction from both games, James. We'll start with you here: Chelsea against Real Madrid, Napoli against Milan. James, Mike, then JJ. Yeah, Chelsea nil, Madrid one. Don't watch this game. Uh, I think I'm going to be at it. <laughs> Napoli three, AC Milan one, uh, but after extra time. I think this is going to be one of the mm. best games in the competition this season. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm I'm going to repeat of the first leg. I think 2-0 Madrid. Uh, it's going to feel like it's 6-0 because of the show they're going to put on at Stamford Bridge. Don't see Chelsea doing much in the attacking department. The woes continue. And for Napoli, I'm going a draw. I think Napoli get that first goal. But the way that Rafa Leal and Brahim Diaz are playing against Napoli, I think they get a goal. I'm going for 2-1 Real. I don't know what I was thinking, uh, suggesting that Chelsea would score a goal, but here we are. Uh, And for Napoli-Milan, I think that Milan are going to snatch an equaliser late on and advance 2-1 on aggregate. All right. I'm going for Real Madrid to get the win comfortably here. I'm going for three goals for Real Madrid once Mm. again here. I have no idea if Chelsea are going to score or not. I hope they get the first goal and make this game interesting. And then I'm going for Napoli to go through on the tie, winning by... 2-0. 2-0. Just a guess. Ooh. Just a guess. All right, quick break from us and more to come from the House of Champions boys when we turn as we turn our attention to Wednesday's fixtures next. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you are a US-based fan of the beautiful game, Paramount Plus is an absolute must-have subscription from NWSL to the Champions League to Serie A and so much more in between. Not sure if it's for you? And you can try one month for free by using the code NWSL2023. Welcome back into House of Champions. Enjoy Jonathan Johnson, Michael LaHood, and James Benj as we turn our attention to Wednesday's games. We're going to fire through them pretty quickly because JJ's on his way out somewhere in Paris. So Bayern Munich, Man City, <laughs> City with a comfortable lead going into the second leg. Inter Milan, Benfica is the other one we'll turn our attention to. But we begin, JJ, with Bayern Munich against Manchester City. Um, I mean, obviously, Bayern Munich getting a 1-1 at the weekend. Not great preparation going into this game, obviously, with a punch into the mouth of uh, Leroy Zani and Mane being suspended. Manchester City, business as usual. How you seen this game? playing out uh well first of all i don't take very kindly to being uh you know put out as the scapegoat of the the guy who has to duck out <laughs> early when i know that at least one other person in this group also has a hard out as well but no for this one i can see i mean i think Bayern are going to keep it tighter than they did in manchester that's not hard it was really blowout at times but equally Tuchel has so much more work ahead of him than I think many of us thought when he took over. You know, winning that game against Borussia Dortmund, wrestling back control of the Bundesliga title race, yet suddenly to crash out in the DFB Pokal. Things haven't quite been going according to plan. And then you have, uh, you know, this uh, altercation between uh, Mane and Sané. You know, suddenly it seems like, you know, there is much more of a challenge, uh, you know, than maybe we first thought. And, you know, maybe you were right all along that there is really something <laughs> deep rooted quite wrong with uh, with Bayern Munich. But no, for me, in terms of this game, um, I think that Bayern will keep it tighter. I still see City winning uh, and, you know, emerging quite comfortably as winners on a- aggregate. Certainly with JJ there, I don't like him being smeared with the we have to depart early tag when uh, a certain host... <laughs> Is so infrequently even available in the first place. And when he is there, he can never get out of here quick enough, you know. Having said all that, um, the only thing I think is of interest here is whether or not Erling Haaland can break yet another record that was supposed to be beyond the reach of anyone, um, certainly of mere mortals. Cristiano Ronaldo scored Mm. 17, if I remember rightly, 17 goals in the Champions League in 14-15, whatever year it was. Harland has 11, which he has from having missed two games entirely and only played 45 minutes in the other. Um, And although there's not a huge amount of time left to catch up Ronaldo, at the rate he's scoring, he actually would, if he played 360 minutes, he'd smash it and end up on 19, um, which is just ludicrous. Isn't he a goal away from Van Nistelrooy's record as a Premier League player as well? I think Van Nistelrooy has 12 from like the early 2000s. Yeah, and um, he's already obliterated Van Nistelrooy's record for the fastest to 30. These are like, and they, these start this time, it does feel like these records might never get broken again. Um, because obviously, as as JJ elucid there, you know, there's so much for Tuchel to do. I think to an extent, even though it's 3 0, this is the Allianz Arena, this is Bayern Munich, they're going to feel like they have to, for a while, go for this game. And that means leaving Pamecano and mm. Delict to defend Haaland and giving City opportunities on the break, which no one gives them anymore because Haaland is a one-man goal on fast breaks. Um, I think Haaland's going to get a few goals. And I know you said this after the first leg, Ian. I think this could get quite rough for Bayern. Yeah, I think for Bayern, what what 
doesn't give me as much confidence as I had going into this tie is there's issues at the front end and there's issues at the back end watching. Let's start with defensively watching them defend. They haven't had a shutout since they blanked PSG two nil at home in the champions league in the second leg, they leak goals. And I think that gets smeared and covered up with their ability to grind out results in the Bundesliga, but they're not even getting goals consistently in the Bundesliga now. And if there's cracks in the pavement and the plaster that you're using to cover up those cracks is, is not working anymore. Then the cracks become damn near earthquakes. And that's what we're seeing. It's besides shift in Bayern Munich's ability to cover up what the issue is. Serge Gnabry was used as a striker in the first leg. I don't think that's their answer, but who knows what the answer is. Do you put Thomas Muller as the striker? Germany did it. Didn't work for them. So that is what they have to figure out in this second leg. Chupo on one leg, no? (laughs) Shit. I'd take him over Gnabry. And and what he... For Gnabry, you see a player who he's getting so close, but it's it's an attacker who's trying to score so hard. He's... It's just like that effort where you're trying so hard and it's not going in, so you're going to try harder. For attackers, there's a flow to scoring goals that needs to come. Defensively, Jan Sommer. What I saw at the weekend, he's a a goalkeeper that's playing very skittish. I think that that could be a factor as well. Just recently, he's been playing skittish his whole career, by the way. Um, But also, if you look at Bayern Munich statistics, just recently, I had a quick look at it. You know, the goals are obviously spread around right now because they don't have that goal score that they can rely on to put 20 Bundesliga goals in a season. They don't have that double-figure goal score in the Champions League that they relied so much on with Lewandowski. It just goes to show you that Lewandowski and all the previous strikers that Bayern have had in their generation, um, that's where their focus is. Chupo's not the answer, but little did we know how important Chupo is for this Bayern Munich side. He's been playing very well and he obviously gives them a better opportunity to win games. Since he's been out of the side, Bayern not as dangerous in that penalty area. And the other players around him, a lot of pressure on their shoulders to step up in big games. I'm just really pissed off with what happened in the Bundesliga this weekend. I mean, what an opportunity for Borussia Dortmund, who just apparently don't want to win the league at all. They just want to give it away to Bayern Munich. So that's annoying to me as well. And that also comes into the factor why Bayern Munich might struggle in the latter stages of the Champions League. It's a less competitive domestic uh, season. And therefore, you know, they're drawing games and still going to win the league. There's no real pressure until you get into the Champions League knockout stages, which I think is desperately disappointing. All right, we've got to move quickly here. Inter Milan against Benfica. Um, I'll come to you, Mike, on this one here. Um, I mean, Inter, first leg. What did we learn from them? Because domestically, they've not been great recently. But what a victory <laughs> that was in Lisbon against Benfica. What did we learn from that first leg that you think they can take into the second leg? And what are you expecting? Um, that Andre Onana is one of the best goalkeepers in the UEFA Champions League in the knockout stages. I think that was cemented again. He is so good when he is focused, when the off the field stuff, he's playing like the Onana that played at Ajax during their fairy tale run to the Champions League semifinals when they were a complete team. This was an inter side in the first leg that put a complete team performance together from front to back. The front two of Latoro Martinez and then Dzeko, they are not even the most dangerous two in attack. Nicolo Barella, he has been one of their darlings of the season. When he's dynamic in midfield, making those late runs out of midfield, that gives a, them a different edge. Henrik Mkhitaryan was so good on both sides of the ball, and that tees things up for Romelu Lukaku to come off the bench and do what he's been doing as of late. He's been getting a lot of criticism. I know the racism stuff still pissed off about that, but his ability to, in high-pressure situations, give them the strength and physical presence in attack, I think that gives them a bit of an edge. And for Benfica, what a horrific time 
to be losing your way. This is a Benfica team that was scoring goals left and right, but Gonzalo Ramos, he seems like a player who is not getting the service. I think they're a team that's trying to walk the ball into the back of the net. They tried that in the first leg, and it was much to do about nothing in the final third. I think for me, uh, when I look at Inter Milan, they tend to react best when Simone Inzaghi's managerial future is under threat, which it is coming into this game. I was surprised pleasantly by them in the Champions League first leg against Benfica and very underwhelmed by Benfica as well. So for me, I think that this one's going to be tight. I think I actually have it down as a draw. So Benfica doing a bit better than they did in the first leg, uh, but still into doing enough to advance. And uh, ultimately, in my prediction, set up that uh AC Inter semi-final. All right, let's get to a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss what's happening in Europa League. All right, let's rapid fire through everything that's taking place in the Europa League and the Europa Conference League. Uh, Mike and James, let's get into it. Sevilla against Manchester United. 2-2 the score is currently. Sporting Lisbon against Juventus. Juve with that slight advantage, 1-0. Roma against Feyenoord. Feyenoord somehow got the victory in that first leg. And Union Saint-Gerois and Bayer Leverkusen tied at one. Somehow Leverkusen got back into that game and managed to get the draw. Now, going forward here, Mike... Uh, um, I'm sure you didn't expect this one to be tied at 2-2 when you were going to Sevilla. Much more difficult in the second leg. I still have United as a favorite to go through in this tie, do you? I feel much better about it, given what I saw at the weekend. Very commanding performance. And I know it's Nottingham Forest, but the city ground is a difficult place to go. The left-back situation, Diego Dallo looked like a natural filling in at left-back. Does Ten Hag keep him there? Because he is an attacking threat going forward. For United, this is such a chess match. Sevilla, I think this is the type of game that when you're even going to their home stadium that you can get trapped into. El Nasiri, this guy is such a difficult striker to compete with. So good in the air, feeds on scraps. The longer the game goes nil-nil, I think, obviously, it favors Sevilla because they will do a one nil job, defend for their lives and equal out. If United get that early goal, early goal, first half performance, I think that's where the key is for United. Yeah, I mean, it'll, yeah, it'll be a real loss for them. You know, it looks like Marcel Sabitzer is not available. And um, obviously having the likes of Casemiro and Eriksen, it's it's a little bit more livable with. But it just feels at the moment like that United can't quite keep their key cogs fit for long enough to to achieve much. Um, that's got to be a bit of a worry. I think, you know, Mike really explained very well there that Sevilla, now they've beaten Valencia, I think they can give this competition a little bit more of a swing. They look like they should be okay to it for in terms of avoiding relegation from La Liga. I, I just find this one really tough to call. If Anthony Martial is the player that mm. we've seen of late in the last few weeks, I'd fancy Manchester United to deliver. If Anthony Martial is the player we saw on loan at Sevilla, bleh, you know, you, you don't quite see where the goals are coming from. He's been massive in terms of convincing United supporters, sceptics like me, and I have been a sceptic that there is life beyond Marcus Rashford's hot streak. Um, and if he keeps his form up, United will be fine, I think. Um, although you basically do have to score two because without Varane and, and Martinez, I'm, I'm pricing in a severe goal, that's for sure. For producer Des putting in the rundown here, Sevilla's domination of English sides in Europe here, how ha they have fared over the last eight ties. They have had eight ties altogether and won six of them, which is quite an incredible... Not West Ham, though. 
Quite an incredible achievement regardless, though, especially when it comes to this competition. They have so much success. Uh, rapid fire here. Mike, let's go to Sporting Lisbon against Juventus. Juve lost again at the weekend oh, yeah. there. Uh, Sporting Lisbon. I mean, this is a big, big game for them. Tough ask here for Juve now. Yeah, and I think Sporting Lisbon will feel very high on their chances. I mean, they've already gotten some major wins in European competition in the Champions League. That front three of Trincao, Marcus Edwards, and who knows who he starts up top. But I think Juventus, what I saw at the weekend was it's just another stale performance. There's been one too many stale performances. They are so reliant on the magic of Angel Di Maria. If he cashes in, then Juve go through. If he doesn't, then Sporting Lisbon, I favor them to go through in this tie. All right, James, before we do move on to what's happening with Leverkusen and Union St. Giroir, producer Des has also got an awesome video here of Allegri, by the way. This was unbelievable. I don't know if you saw this reaction from the game at the weekend there. Now, I, I was trying to figure out what it was, if it was a substitute not being ready or if he was just losing his temper or what the hell it was. But he was furious. He had to go sit down and take a minute to calm himself down <laughs> at one point here. I thought he was going to... sad seeing this it feels like he's put the uh, the trajectory of Italian managers back 25 years this is back to the glory days when every Italian manager was a psychopath on the touchline Roberto De Zerbi you know has worked so hard to convince people he's chill Maurizio Sarri as well and here's Allegri just going absolutely mad in that in that first leg I think it's easy to see why though because this is a this is a sporting team that that drive their opposition mad we've seen that against English teams, we've seen that against some really top-level opposition across the uh, across the first leg. Des, Des is telling us it's from the first leg when <laughs> Paredes couldn't come on the pitch because he, he gave his jersey away. Can I, can I throw out a thing here? I don't know if this is anything like it is in the Premier League, but there is this disease in English football right now where children turn up to football matches with their little crummy homemade signs Go and get it done professionally. Um, <laughs> begging for the football shirts of professional footballers. Uh, give me your shirt. I, I despise it. Um, and I think if that's actually why Allegri's got angry, because he's seen one of these obnoxious, odious little wretches demanding Paredes' football shirt. I mean, why on earth would you ask for Paredes' football shirt? I've gone off on a tangent here, but I'm really enjoying my it. tangent. Uh, these children should get lifetime bans from stadium. <laughs> and that's a proper lifetime ban. You know, that is that is stretching into the 2080s, the 2090s. I don't ever want them again. And once you do that, let's see how many kids are brave enough to hold up a sign saying, eh, Mason Mike, can I have your shirt? Get lost. <laughs> Sporting are really good. Um, <laughs> it's interesting that they drew one all with Aruka. Um, sort of felt like that, that um, Ruben Amarin had, had, has really put his eggs in this Europa League basket yeah. and rightly so because they are a team that could go and win the whole thing was that All what right. you were after? <laughs> Quick prediction from the other games uh, Roma, Feyenoord, Union, Sinchoa Leverkusen prediction Mike? Uh, I pick Leverkusen to go through that front three, Verts, Diaby too good, the fact that they got that goal is massive for them and I still like this Feyenoord team I know we don't give them enough credit, I think that they will go through against Roma Paulo Dybala, the question mark over his health, big factor for them in the final third. So Feyenoord and Leverkusen. I'm, I like um, Mike's, Mike's view on Feyenoord, and I, I think he's right, although it's Mourinho, isn't it? It's hard mm -hmm. to bet against Mourinho when his team is actually quite good. And it's also hard to bet in favour of Leverkusen, as you well know, Ian. I mean, there's a reason they're called Leverkusen. <laughs> 
Sanjiwas continue to surprise me. I can't say I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like Shaquille O'Neal. I'm sorry, I wasn't familiar with their work, but I'm very, very impressed. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they go through. Wow. Leverkusen unbeaten in 11 games. Yeah, now. Shabby Alonso That's doing big. a great job. 11 yeah. games that don't like hugely count, except yeah. the European right. ones. Quick uh, rapid fire through the Europa Conference League here. We've got Alkmaar and Alecht. Anderlecht with a 2-0 advantage. Fiorentina against Lech Poznan, 4-2 advantage from the first leg. Nice Basel is tightly tied at 2-2. And West Ham and Ghent tied at 1-1. Just rapid fire through them all here, Mike. What catches your attention? Who are you expecting to go through? Uh, two teams I'll keep an eye on is Fiorentina. What they've done since the World Cup break, they are a team that's playing with a lot of confidence, scoring a lot of goals, and they are my favorite, part of the Italian Renaissance, and also Nice. Mofi, Mofi, Mofi. This guy is a killer in the box. If those two get through, it's going to be a hell of a matchup in the next round. Mm. Yeah, I mean, West Ham, for all their trivies in the Premier League, they could be back-to-back European semifinalists, and they weren't great against uh, against. But they weren't bad either. Um, and that's a good team that they, they've earned a one-all draw away from. I think having like the atmosphere just exploded at the London Stadium on Sunday, uh, yesterday. Um, and I think that ground, it's never going to be. You're never going to confuse it with Anfield. And you're never going to confuse it with the best stadiums in the world. But on those European nights, those West Ham fans really love it. And I think that could be the uh, the 12th man that, that takes them to a European semi-final. And I, I don't know what the paths are, but this has turned into a really fun little competition. And, you know, the likes of West Ham, Fiorentina, and maybe Nisa and Anderlecht vying for a trophy. Mm-hmm. This is great. I mean, that's a, a load of fan bases there that would never have got one otherwise. And it would mean a lot, a lot for. So, uh, yeah, bring on the Conference League. That's I'm, I'm off Europa League now. I'm all about the Conference League. Nicer <laughs> trophy. James, we've got a couple of great comments uh, for you here. J- Rafa jumping in saying that he's with you. He says, ban those kids as well. And then we've got a nice one here for you from Ed. He says, something tells me that James missed out on getting a few shirts because of those kids. Which is an interesting thought right there. My problem is I'm sat in the press box and trying to get a good angle of a view of everything that's happening. And you can't see it over these obnoxious little wretches who are putting their cardboard signs right in your viewing angle. I don't know how to... Re- People love free shit, James. People love <laughs> free exactly. stuff. All right? buy a shirt. You should see my wife when we go anywhere and they're doing those giveaways. You know, if you're at like an NBA game and they're using a the fire yeah. gun to fire a t-shirt up, like she will literally beat kids down and try and get a free t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> boys great work as always we appreciate you and Jonathan Johnson as well have a great great night today there's some great games taking place um, actually a really interesting one uh, if I don't mind I know I'm the master of stretching a show here but Leeds against Liverpool is a great game for me I mean this is a tough game for Liverpool I don't care anyone says here but this is a massive game for Leeds United which way are you thinking this one's going to go seeing as though you're hanging a Leeds <laughs> flight um, score behind <laughs> Oh man! Resident Leeds fan. Yeah, I know, I know. Just keep it, keep the the piles of poop just coming my way. I, I think that Liverpool. You never know what you're going to get from them. You know, it's been a, a nightmare season for them throughout the season. If there's ever a time to catch Liverpool, I think it's now for Leeds. It's do or die. A couple good results as of late. I think this could be another one in their, a feather in their cap. So I'm picking Leeds. No, I don't think Javi Gracia (laughs) has solved any of the problems that Jesse Marsh had, which were the problems that Marcelo Bielsa had. 
they are still the glassiest of glass jaws in the Premier League. There's no team that responds to adversity in a worse fashion than Leeds. There's no team that if you go one nil up against them, you can price in the second and the third quite soon after. I I, I would be quite worried about it, Leeds. Um, I certainly think that I would expect kind of likes of Everton sooner or later to, to leapfrog over them. Um, Leeds going to really miss Tyler Adams for the remainder of this season. I think without him, they look like a team that you can bully, um, which was not the case in that first season in the Premier League. Oof, I don't know. This one's a close one to call, especially with the way Liverpool are playing right now. This one, that atmosphere, it's a little bit of a rivalry there. This one might have a few red cards in it. Let's hope it does. Uh, boys, appreciate it as always. Premier League at the beginning, Premier League at the end with a little Champions League in the middle. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you always. Thanks everybody for the comments. Uh, please make sure you're continuing to do so. Uh, we'll be back again on Tuesday, post the Champions League games at 5pm Eastern. Thank you to everybody out there for watching, but also for listening to House of Champions. Take a minute to leave us a rating and a review and your favorite podcast platform available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video so subscribe to us on YouTube. House of Champions signing out. Thanks so much to the boys. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you so much, James. Enjoy your day. We'll see you post-games 5pm Eastern on Tuesday. See you everybody.